This is something that confronts a lot of people. They come to me because they want their kid to wear deodorant more often and get their grades up or care more about their sport or something. And it's never, it's, those are all symptoms and it doesn't matter about all that. All that works out though. All the cooperation, all of the connection stuff, having kids who care about what you have to say, all of that works out once you've dealt with yourself as a parent. They don't want to do anything you say if you're a fake person. Audra and I are currently the parents of two teenagers, and let me tell you, the struggle is real. I don't know very many people who love parenting through their teenage years. In fact, I don't think I know anyone who really loves parenting teenagers. I'd wager most parents dread the teenage years and see them as a dangerous river that has to be crossed. Well, my good friend Vanessa Baker loves diving headfirst into that river. She's a mom of six, that's right, six, and a teen relationship coach who loves the teenage years with a passion. She is founder of Vanessa Baker Mindset and author of the new book, From Mean to Real Clean, How to Create a Fully Functional Relationship with Your Teenager. She also hosts a podcast called You'll Understand When You're Younger, which she created to destroy the mindset that teenagers are problematic. Her mission is to help parents become the first person whom their teenagers talk to and listen to, and not the last. This conversation was mind-blowing. We dove straight into the raging river of teenagehood and talked about all the hard things parents come up against. She broke it all down and laid out a plan for parents to reconnect and rebuild a deep, loving relationship with their teens. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Vanessa Baker. Let's just jump in because as I said, it's going to be super conversational. We're, um, and what I want to start off with is the fact that I did not just meet you. Vanessa. No. <laughs> <laughs> We've known each other since high school. My memories of you in high school are that you, you really had it together. Really? Yeah. What's coming up for me is like you had an idea of who you were and what you stood for and you had it together in a way that not every high schooler does. Wow. <laughs> I could have used that back then. Why did you do that 25 years ago? <laughs> when we were at the did you go to the 10 year class reunion? Uh no, I went to the 20 year. Okay. I think uh, I went to that one too. The 10 year one, a bunch of guys were standing around and they were like, wow, we thought you were so cool with your Jeep. I had a 78 CJ. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they were like, you were so badass. You always had mud all over because I went off-roading all the time with Catherine and Schultz. Yeah. And, yes. um, and I was like, what? I was like the old <laughs> kid in my mind who didn't have a Beamer and I <laughs> the old Jeep, you know? And it was just so funny that I'm like, all these things come out like way too late. But thanks for saying that. I didn't have that experience of myself at all. I mean, I was like in the throes of a, a pretty like serious eating disorder. I was mm. like, my parents were dealing with all kinds of stuff. My sister was constantly in crisis. I never felt like I fit in ever. 
I was apathetic. I remember in honors English senior year, I remember walking up to the teacher. Do you remember the redheaded teacher who's a runner who was um, the, she's really adorable. And she's like pregnant. She's like a track, like cross country lady. So Vanessa, I smoked a lot of pot in high school. So I, <laughs> I don't really, especially like senior year, I, I have just bits and pieces of yeah, memories of, of, of school. I mean, yeah. I have a lot of memories of the parties. I just like school was, is, was That's uh, funny. So was I, I went up there and I was like, I'm apathetic. I remember I like, like search synonyms. I'm like, I'm, I'm apathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I was like reaching out, like somebody help me. I was so, and oh, so I love that you said that though because that just shows something that shines a light on something so important which is the way we view people has almost nothing to do with the reality of what they're Mm. dealing with like ever probably okay so what about there's uh, is is there another maybe truth alongside that that what i was seeing was something deep down yeah, that, you, yeah, you must have been really yeah. high. But yes, <laughs> you're right. Because I do like that's how I would say that's how I describe myself now. And yeah. especially in the last five years. But you I mean, and it was always there. It was always there. I like that. Right? I like yeah. that. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. So, so tell me a little bit about what, I mean, you know, from a, uh, I don't know, the uh, five minute elevator pitch of like, what has happened since Vanessa in high school? (laughs) 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 So, I I mean, you can like, yeah, Yeah. just like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Boom. I'll boom, boom, boom it. Okay. So I went to college. I kicked in with my academics in college. I was like super, like I was like the first woman president of the business college council at ASU. I was like getting awards and like causing like amazing things to happen and, and like honors call it like the whole thing, just like showing off and making just like waves over there. And then I got like a really hard job to get a really hard internship to get. And I was like, business, business, supply chain management. Oh, I love supply chain management, logistics, manufacturing. It's my life. And then I got married to a guy who I said, you know, I'm gay. Right. And he's like, that's hot. And so we just got no. married. <laughs> got married. Oh, so he knew, he knew going in. We knew every, yeah. Like I, I remember telling my friends, my high school friends, I'm like, I can just see myself being a lesbian living in New York city. And like, like, I mean, I was saying it, but it was only, it wasn't like something I could do something with, I guess. I mean, what was I going to be like Richard Simmons? Like there weren't like a lot of gay people to look at for me at that point. There wasn't social media. It was 1999, 2000. It sounds recent, but it's not. And things have changed a lot with who you think you can be. And so, so we got married, got pregnant on the honeymoon. Okay. Here's the boom, 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 literally <laughs> pregnant on the honeymoon. Nine months later, baby number one, then 18 months later, baby number two, 17 months later, baby number three, 16 months later, baby number four, 14 months later, baby number five. And now I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Just unbelievable. I'm blessed like to be fertile and have these wonderful children. I'm not talking crap about my blessings, but that was a lot. 
And then we carried on and, you know, do to do regular, you know, natural progressions of life and raising kids and all of that. And then when I was 38, I came out and I tried really hard to like be a gay person in a hetero marriage. And I thought coming out would be like enough, you know, but then I was like, no. And so I asked for a divorce. So the kids were between seven and 12 or something like that, close to that. When that happened, I met my wife, got married. I actually met her before I got a divorce, but we were friends. And I mean, there is a deeper story there, but it was all on the out in the open kind of stuff. And then I got married to her. She had a baby who's two now. And we, you know, got a donor. And so now I've got these kids and this wife. And um, when I got the divorce and I wasn't able to, you know, be a stay at home mom anymore, homeschooling my kids and just doing that whole situation, I had to do something. And so I'm like, uh, I love teenagers. <laughs> like, like, that's like as close as I could get to like what I was passionate about. Well, that in itself is a rare skill to love teenagers. I do. Right? because most people don't (laughs) exactly and you know my business mind was like you can say the word teenager in a in a room anywhere in the entire world and people will go oh Oh, totally god (laughs) and i'm like i feel like this could be a good niche where everyone will agree that there's a a problem and, yeah, I, and nobody oh, wants to solve this problem. <laughs> yeah. And the ways they do try to solve it are not scalable. Don't model anything that's workable. Aren't how adults want to be treated. And, and I've, I mean, I remember being at my son's basketball games and like, there'd be like this crowd of like stranger teenagers. And I'd be like, I want to go talk to them. Like, I want to know them. And Stephanie, my wife would be like, that's weird, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Stop being weird. I know, but I'd be like, I don't think I'm one of them. I don't, I don't like think I'm cool. It's just like, I'm so interested. Like I'm dying to know what they think about and, and what they want to do and just be like, yes, yes. Whatever you're like into now, whatever you are lit up about, don't lose that. Like we get older, not me, not you, buddy, not me and not you, but a lot of people get older and they just like die inside. And I'm always like, like, I want to like, just harness their flame because the teenagers have it figured out. Mm, Yeah. We have this one life to live. Like, don't let that flame go out. Mm, Right. Don't sell out. Don't sell out. Like I'm so anti sell out. (laughs) Okay. So I just want to do a little bit of a rewind. Did you ever have a moment when you knew that you wanted to be a mom or did it just happen? I actually literally out loud said, I never want to have kids when I was like in my twenties, but right before I met my ex-husband. And then I really like, I mean, it's just like a knowing, I mean, these kids are just like, they're world changers. They're so cool. They're imperfect. They're not like, like, I'm not saying it like, oh, they all have straight A's. So they're going to change the world. Like these people that I raised, they are, I mean, if you got to talk to one of them for five minutes, you would just be like, what the things they think about. So, so somebody somewhere knew yeah. that I needed to get knocked up like right away a bunch of times. Because <laughs> five times. Are, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> These kids are amazing. I was driving around um, my boy um, who's 15 has his permit. So he lives at his dad's. And so me and Charlotte, um, she's 12 or no, just turned 13. We went and picked miles up and um, we were, he was driving us around. We went to Chick-fil-A. We're having all kinds of fun. And, um, and then we dropped him off and, and she's like, who would say this, right? 13, the youngest of five. She's like, I have literally, this sounds like a lie, but it's what she actually said. She goes, I have the best siblings. I love them all so much. And I feel so lucky. And I'm like, yep. Oh, those are, that's, that's poetry to a parent. Like, oh my God. I know. I'm like, right. (laughs) But that's the culture, you know, like that's the culture. So no, I didn't want to have kids. And then I converted to be Catholic. And because I'm like this, like, ah, person, I'm like, well, let's be Catholic. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. You don't go half in like, there's no, just <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's do this thing. Okay. You alluded to a little bit of your story about becoming a parenting coach. And so from what I gathered, a part of it was seeing that you loved this 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 weird time in growing up that not a lot of people love. And so you saw like, okay, I think I can help there. Can you, can you tell? Yes. Yes. Well, when I taught high school, so I I got my business degree, I worked in consulting and then I went back to ASU because I was like, I swear every day at lunch, I'd be like, do any of these windows open? I'm about to dive out of the second story. (laughs) Like I, I'm, I'm being like silly about something serious, but I was very depressed. I was very, Mm. very like unfulfilled. I, I got the company going with like Valley big brothers, big sisters. I got them going with junior achievement, like had all these lunch and learns. I'm like always in HR's office. Like, can I bring everyone into this? Can I bring everyone into that? All these things that were about kids. And then when I ran out of, you know, victims to, <laughs> <laughs> to volunteer um, for everything I cared about, I quit and I went back, got a high school, um, you know, secondary education um, certification and all that. And I taught business. So when I taught high school, I was teaching in an inner city school in South Phoenix. And um, it was like flying, like it was just like flying, like, like my connection and my ability to um, get through to them. It just lit me up and I just knew it was a thing. Right. Wow. So then, then I had my own kids and I was like, yep, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Like, like my, whatever, I don't know what even to call it, but just my desire to connect to people who aren't yet adults. I get, I guess that's how I could say it. I just have this, this desire to just like get in there and, and like check out for check for stuff. When that person said that, did you believe it? Do you know that that's a lie? Like, like, what do you see yourself doing? Did you know you can do anything? Like all these cliche sounding things, but like, I, I like to just like get in there. So then when I needed to work, I'm not the kind of person who can work for someone else. You might be able to get that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't follow rules. You blaze your own trail. I am. I am a trailblazer. My dad died almost two years ago. And that's something that I wrote in his eulogy. And when I spoke at his funeral, exactly. So that's cool how you said that just now a lot. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm like trailblazer. I also 
consider myself a maverick, you know, like, like I just, I know what to do. I know what to say, not because I'm righteous and not because I have a plan, but like, there's this like deep trust that I have in myself Mm. that I want, yes, Mm. that I want to impart on people. Like as soon as I can catch them, as soon as they start realizing that they're about to face a fork in the road where people want them to be something that maybe they aren't that maybe doesn't align like I'm obsessed with alignment and congruence and um, integrity inside of ourselves everything has to match everything so that makes perfect sense because you have developed a system for teenagers and their parents like the whole system is in alignment so you've developed this system based on these three acronyms mean real and clean can you just give us the like 30,000 foot overview of what these acronyms mean yes yes so mean stands for misunderstood entitled authoritarian and numb and my stance is that parents aren't really mean they get called mean and they feel mean and but that's not the case so When we look into mean, we look into what are the obstacles that are in the way. We 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 poke around a lot, very gently, very non-judgmentally, very with tons of compassion and empathy, because I know too what that's like. And so we clear that away. So consider that the debris, right? We're clearing all that away. Then I help them create a foundation, and that's the real part. So real is a new foundation, right? Like we, 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 we bondo up whatever they had. And then we, we, we really like solidify this foundation, which is the real part, resilient, effective, authentic, and loving. And so once that is set, we are looking at like, that's what we all want. We want Mm -hmm. to be effective. We talk to our kids and we hope our kids are resilient, right? But we need to be resilient first. We can't be taking everything personally or all we're going to get are kids who are taking everything personally, including what we say to them. And we're not able to influence our kids when we're not being real, period. They smell our shit from miles away and they're Mm. not into it. So I want to get into that later. Yeah. Yes. Sure. So so that's the thing. Authentic authenticity, realness, like all of that. That's the foundation. Without that, like we may not move on. Then clean are the tools. Like this is where we start building on our foundation. So that's being connected, being level-headed, being expressive, being aware, and plain old ordinary nice. Just nice. You know? <laughs> like what happened to being nice? <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I imagine by the end of it, being nice is just something that naturally flows. If you've like, if you've cleared away all the stuff, you've built the foundation, you're now practicing the stuff. Nice is just flowing. Right. 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 Because this is something that confronts a lot of people. They come to me because they want their kid to wear deodorant more often and get their grades up or care more about their sport or something. And it's never, those are all symptoms and it doesn't matter about all that. All that works out though, all the cooperation, all of the, the, the like connection stuff, the being, having kids who care about what you have to say, all of that works out once you've dealt with yourself as a parent. They don't want to do anything you say if you're a fake person. Oh, right. In 
grad school language, we would call all those things epiphenomenal. And so they're like, they're like epiphenomenal in the sense that they, they are real and they're coming from something, but they're, they're not the source. Like the phenomenon is the source. This other stuff is the epiphenomena, this stuff that, that is, that is, that is coming from the real source. And so what you're doing is you're like leading parents back to the source. Yeah. The fact that your teens are doing all these things and acting in ways that you think are problematic, that's not the issue. Right. Well, let's let's trace it back to the source. Exactly. Yeah, so cool. And and I have this wonderful ability that I don't understand that is where I'm able to diffuse and make light of in a very helpful way, like to make it like in, in I don't want to say insignificant, but there's something where we're laughing. We're laughing about how ridiculous it is that we as parents do these things. And then, and then I'll point like, so like, you mean how your kid does that and that and that and that, and I'm drawing lines like, like that to you, like that to you, like that. And they're like, Oh my God. Do they ever like get a, uh, look like they've seen behind the matrix once yeah, once you've exactly. it's like oh my god exactly <laughs> i'm <Exactly>. the source <laughs> exactly i almost thought about naming the book great news parents it's all your fault <laughs> <laughs> oh my god all right so your your book just came out and it's the book title is from mean to real clean and what the subtitle subtitle is how to create a fully functional relationship with your teenager. And so I would like to just say a moment, if you let me about um, fully functional relationship, like that's a thing. I don't think people even think that that can happen. And the people, our standards are so low. We really, I hear, I feel, I hear, I like, I feel most things more than here. And I am telling you, People think that teenagerhood, is that a word, is just something to survive. It's they they're thinking like just to that and they get off to college thing. And then they're gonna stress about all new things, but the parents, but it's like they're not thinking about like sitting on a front porch with their 55-year-old kid and they're 80. They're not thinking about what a fully functional relationship can yield for the rest of their life. Mm. They people don't their their head is so down, and I get it. They I get it. They're just they're just blinders on survival mode is the best way to say it. And I'm I paint a beautiful picture in the book about like what does this look like? Like what could you have? Like broaden the perspective. Speaking of thirty thousand feet, like let's look. Let's look like. How do you want it to go when your child has their first baby, say, you know, like, how do you want that to go? Like, let's think bigger, guys. Yeah. So would you say that 99% of the parents that you work with, if you ask them, what is the most important thing in your life? They would probably say their kids and their relationship with their kids. Yeah. And so there that 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 must be such a, oh my God, that I'm just feeling into how emotionally painful that must be for parents who say, yes, this is the most important thing in my life. And I don't think it can be functional or healthy or (laughs) or good. Yes. And the hope, the hope um, is what I'm, I'm a hope dealer, you know, like that's what I'm doing. I'm like telling people 
they think they think they're the worst parent. They think their kids, they ruin them, even though on the outset, they'll say, my kid is this, my kid is that, I can't stand them, blah, blah, blah. And but deep down, they think that it's their fault. And then I'm going, it's not your fault. You're not to blame. Your kid's not to blame. This is this is what it is to be human. I want to just show you some blind spots. The second, the second that you see it, it's a switch. I mean, there are habits to mm. unfold, but it's a switch. You're like, that's what I'm doing. My kid's addicted. I'm an alcoholic. Do you know how many people tell me they're alcoholics within five minutes of meeting me? A lot. Wow. A lot. This goes straight into what I really want to focus on. I just want to start off with mean, just looking at this idea of, of mean. And it's connected with what you just said about addiction or other ways that parents are really coping and avoiding. And so it starts with this first one, misunderstood. And when I was reading the book, I was struck like when I started, it was misunderstood I thought it would be maybe, I, I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be, but I didn't expect for you to go into self-care. Yes. Like, if you're not taking care of yourself, your, your behaviors and your communication are going to have all these unintended effects and you're, you know, you're going to feel misunderstood. Can, can you talk a little bit about parent self-care? Yes. It's, it's the first thing to go. I mean, right? When you have a baby... Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't mm-hmm. that just like the oh, like oh, I haven't showered in two weeks? Like, <laughs> like I I haven't slept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right, right. It's the first thing to go, and then it doesn't get better from there. It's like uh, like it. Some people are able to. I don't want to generalize all parents or anything like that. I never want to do that. But yes, and and it's like it's a it's a like a martyr mindset, you know, where like, I can't, if I take my eye off the ball, if I, if I like, if I'm not checking their grades before they even know their grades on their quizzes, if I'm not, you know, (gasps) that whole like vibe, right. That way of being where, where you feel like you can't stop to take care of yourself. That's a huge, huge problem of why the parents are so reactive and and take things personally and are angry and yell. I mean, have you ever had low blood sugar? I mean, that's not mm. a recipe for anything. So it's it's just like we can't overlook that. We have to build again, it's like the foundation in a way like unless you're healthy and whole and fully functioning as a human, how are you going to model that and have kids who are that so that the relationship can function? And I imagine well what what struck me as this idea of self-care I, I i i think is absolutely like i'm so glad that it was at the beginning of the book because like we, we got to start there if you're not getting enough sleep if you're not eating right if you're not you know taking care of yourself then none of uh, this uh, other stuff is going to work and That's right. in <clears throat> with our nonprofit maxwell project we work with childhood cancer parents and of course whatever's going on with regular parenting like ratcheted up times 10 for a cancer parent and so we talk about the oxygen mask principle like you can't you can't put the oxygen mask on your kid if if you're passing out but then the addiction thing what what struck me there is i i think 
that so many parents, because they're not taking care of themselves, reach a point where the only way they yep. think they can manage is to numb exactly. and pass out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the M and the N, right? The misunderstood because you're just suffering. This is the part where I did... I. I got to tell you this whole framework, you know, like it, it like, (laughs) this sounds kooky, but I don't care because it's true. I don't even feel responsible for like making it up. Like it like came Mm. to me, like I birthed a 10 year old kid. Like that's how it was. Like that's when you're in the zone of like alignment, for example, with spirituality, the universe. Like I just, I just have to say that I didn't like labor. Oh God, what should it say? You know, like it just like came. So that's something I like can't take real credit for. That's awesome. Yeah. I just, I just don't know why I wanted to say that out loud right there. But so the numb thing, what, what's the biggest epidemic (laughs) with teenagers? right? They're, we're, they're numbing out. They're, mm. they're vaping, they're drinking, oh. they're doing serious drugs. They're, they're or for, uh, well, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I think for boys, at least uh, for my boy who turns 14 today. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Happy video, birthday. Yeah. Video games. Yeah. Video games are a way to numb out. Yep. Yep. Video games for sure. Um, um, like just, you know, social media. So those are the kid versions. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the mommy yeah. and the daddy or the mommy and the mommy and the daddy and the daddy version. Like they're all the versions of that. You can like, if somebody could be brave enough and just brave and courageous enough to, to look for on purpose, how the exact attitudes, behaviors, tendencies, uh, vices that their children have that they're concerned about are reflected in in us first mm. that's it that's it you not say you just you? so i i i just had this like moment of reflection because my thing is definitely with our son it's the video games um and uh so i i just had this moment of reflection when you said that you know what i love to numb out with Twitter. Like I love to numb out. That's your daddy. And and, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so, oh my gosh, I feel seen. Ah! (laughs) Awesome. And I'll give your son a birthday present right now. Okay. I, well, I, I'm a, I'm a polarizer. I'm down with it. I don't need everyone to like me, agree with me. I don't give up. You know what? If people believe me or agree with me or like what I have to say, like I do what I do. I think what I think it works. And if it doesn't work for someone, we're not a fit. Like, I don't care. One thing that I say that is so counter, I don't know if it's countercultural, but it's, it's kind of like against the grain is Yes, I know about video game addiction. Yes, I I understand. I understand. Like I follow things like that. I read about things like that. I get it. However, I have seen, I'll just speak about my own children, confidence go up so much. They have their little world. They have their people Mm. on Xbox Live or Minecraft servers. Like my daughter who's 14 has, she's been in therapy for over three years for one day a week for over three years now. And I was just catching up, you know, tell mental telehealth. Woo, I love that. Yeah, think, yeah, right. right. Thank you for that. Thank you COVID for that, I suppose, because that really got went into gear. She and the so the therapist, the doctor, she's actually a PhD, um, like you. And so she 
was like, I can't believe the growth. And I got to say all these months of not being in school, the place where my daughter has, has like um, cut her teeth and like realized who she is and like who she's becoming is largely due to her being on group chats and servers and discord and um, mm. all the things, all the things. And, and it's the place in her life where she has that sense of confidence and friendship and working through lots of drama. I'm like, oh, cool, real drama to work through, even with people you don't see. You know? Oh my gosh. You are freeing me right now from a lot of uh, shame and guilt that I, you know, there's some like uh, bad parenting narratives that, that I'm working up. But, ooh, but this leads me into the second thing that I wanted to talk about with mean, and that is the authoritarian section. Um, so there's a lot to say about um, authoritarian, uh, but uh, you were talking about the parents needing everything to look perfect to the outside world. Um, and this hit me. It's like when I really investigate some of my deepest um, emotional issues around my kids, yeah. a lot of it has to do with like, what would people think about me as a parent if they yeah. knew how much how many how many hours my child plays yeah. you know video games with his friends like what would people think that i like you know um and so that section hit me is like how much of our parenting uh hang-ups are around our concern about how the outside world whether it's our parents or our, our extended family or just the world in general sees us and our family and the judgment that we're trying to avoid avoid manage yeah futile it's futile do you ever feel like oh my god utility cologne is what you put on in the morning (laughs) 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 let me put on my futility (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my god It's, it's it sucks and i've got the best best kid of my own example of of another like you can't we can't care about that. There's no recipe for what a good kid and a good parent can look like. So I've got this kid, Ollie. I wrote about her in the book, right? She she is almost 17 this month. She'll be 17. And if you could like, I wish she'd like walk in the room right now, but she's not. So, so she always has different color hair. She she has like piercing, piercing piercing, 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 like all these piercings, right? Yes. I know how old she is. Like, judge me, bring it. I don't yeah. care. Right. Like, <laughs> okay. but wait, there's more. She smokes cigarettes like oh. all the time. And she probably, I think she's like, she, I always ask her, she's like at probably like seven a day. So not like half a pack a day. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not packs cigarettes, but right. Look, look at your mm. face, by the way, this is awesome. Oh. Like, like, well, I, now I, I am a public health PhD. I know, so you, I know. You, you, you have to take that into account. I know, I know, <laughs> okay, go I know. Yeah, yeah. And I know smoking's wrong and we've gone around and around about this for a long time, right? A long, long time. Just so you know, like I've tried everything. I've showed her videos. I've showed her lungs. I've showed her black lungs. I've told her stories. I've tested her with her. You know, we've worked on quitting. And then she's like, mom, 
I don't want to be a non-smoker. So all this stuff, like you've got to let me work through this. Wow. Like, and mm. then, and then it's like, comes to me and it's like, oh, and she buys them herself. I don't buy them. She goes on the reservation. She gets a good deal. Like, <laughs> like she, yeah. she has her whole system worked out. Right. She even bought one of these, um, those preschool things with the pockets so that she knows when she's allowed to allow herself to have the next pack. Wow. Like, Okay. Wow. Right. So like, so it sucks. It's stupid. I hate it. I hate it more than anything that she smokes. I hate it. I despise it. And will I, so this is my moment of, am I going to make every day, every conversation, every time I smell her stanky smoking ass, walk in the room or whatever. I make her walk away down the street, by the way. She has to walk like 10 houses down to smoke. I'm like, you're not smoking on my property. Get out of here, mm. right? Like, But our relationship is like so incredibly deep and solid and, and full of communication. Ooh, I love that. She's oh, never gosh. not answered my call or my text. I, oh, gosh. I mean, literally never. Okay. Like she, we're, she struggles in school. She has a myriad of disorders, mood, learning, like all kinds of things, which by the way, I have a lot of compassion. Maybe if I had all that stuff going on, I'd need a little whatever to calm down too. She's medicated. She has a, a, a psychiatrist and all of that. And we're responsible for her mental health. But what if I could realize, which I have that smoking and that thing could be a war that we fight till the end of time. And what would happen? Mm, like fill in beautiful. the blank, fill in the blank. What Absolutely. would happen if I focus yeah. on that aspect of one thing about her? So, Vanessa, have I asked you about authentic relating before? Because this is the thing that I like to talk about. Okay, so no, authentic like relating is really just a set of ideas and practices around communicating in just a deep, connected way. And so I've taken several classes on, on this, and, and uh, I've done it quite a bit over the last eight or nine months. One of the principles in authentic relating, well, it's this idea that in any relationship, any of of course, differences are going to pop up. Like we're not the same. No. You're 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 gonna choose to do and think in a different way than me. The question is, is the relationship, is the connection more important than the differences in the conflict? And it's so beautiful because what you just showed is that even something big like smoking, you know, for for a, for a public health PhD, it's like, oh my God. But even that, you have said that this relationship is more important. Like, I'm I'm really I'm really touched. Yeah, like you I'm really get me. That's right. That's right. And and everyone, I mean, gasp. The parent and teacher coach lets. I'm air quoting here, her kids smoke. Oh, I didn't even mention all of her tattoos. You know what I mean? Like all of her stick and poke tattoos, all of the things that look wrong about her. I could go ape shit on. And oh, oh, to you back, back to your point, how the public views certain people uh, like a different level. Like I'm putting myself out there. So what people think all my kids have straight A's and all my kids are perfect and don't 
ever look at porn or don't ever play video games too long or what eat vegetables all day long. Like none of that, (laughs) like nothing is worked out in my family. All of us are full blown human beings. But the relationships take priority. Yes. And then when you have a relationship, then I'm able to influence them. I know where their head's at. I know what they're struggling with. But the thing, the cool thing that is coming up for me around this is that even if you're not able to influence, let's just say, I mean, let's just throw that out the window to go back to, to like what, what we were talking about um, a couple minutes ago, we would say the most important thing in our lives, are our kids and our relationships with our kids, these relationships are ends in themselves. Right. Like if, if through it all, wow. we maintain a connected, deep, loving relationship, right. we won. Like we're like yeah. we're we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, right. Influence, influence thing. Like I like that you said that because I've never. When I say influence, you're actually what you said is more what I even mean. I think that people think, oh, you mean you get to like 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 make them do stuff? No, no. I get to like my love that I give them and the love they receive to me is like a one-to-one ratio. There's mm. no, there's no like thing in the middle that like catches this stuff. There's no wall. There's no barrier. Like I, the fact that I, <laughs> I walked into her room the other day, by the way, shocking. She's messy, right? <laughs> her brain, her executive <laughs> functioning is just like, what's that? You know? And so, so I walk in her room the other morning and I'm like, Ollie, you know what I love about you? That you have 17 half drinking drinking water bottles all over your room. You know what else <laughs> yeah, I love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And I wasn't being a bitch. I wasn't being sarcastic. I'm like, I love, I, I said, I love that you're sloppy. I love that. I And I just told her like all the things I love, like these. Okay. And just to get a little bit heavy, if I lost her from an accident, or from a disease, or from a mental health, you know, like crisis and tragedy or suicide or something like that, right? If, if I did, I would look back and say to myself, why did you focus on all these little dumb Mm. things? Because you were worried about how people would think about you, Vanessa. And I would regret that my whole life. I would never get over the fact that I had to make a big deal about all the things that are wrong with her, which would develop her into someone who thinks that something's wrong with her and that she's broken and that I could never fix her. Mm, mm, That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I kind of want to dig dig into this a little bit. As parents, one of our charges, one of our responsibilities is that we are preparing these human beings to go out into the world and to be human beings amongst many other human beings. Yeah. And so in the book, you you said it's not like you're arguing, you just let your kids do whatever they want and you just sit back and right. chill. Um, and so you are making a distinction between discipline and punishment. And so can you unpack this a little bit? Yes. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes. 
I think that sometimes when I speak, uh, people think that assume that I'm passive and that I'm some hippie, like, Hey, whatever you want, you know? And, and it's, it's absolutely not the case instead of what I call cheap power plays take, Oh, well, your phone is mine now. Well, I guess you lost your privileges. I guess you lost your stuff. Didn't you? I mean, because they did something that I did my version of two hours before who who's punishing me. They're never going to get to this point where they are perfectly meeting all the expectations of life. They're just not going to have anyone to catch them when they get older like us. Right. You see what I mean there? So this punishment thing is manipulative. It's cheap. There are way it's it's taking advantage of the the role. It's like using the 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 power differential to to force an outcome. So that's why I'm against that. Did that answer that part? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then the alternative though, that's what we want. We want to replace it with something better. There are, you know, this there are extrinsic rewards from things we do in life. And there are intrinsic rewards. So if we're always focused on the external metrics that kids come with, like grades are just like the most obvious one, right? And and like tardies and attendance and, and you know, blow ups or I don't know, like if you're like keeping track of all these episodes of things and problems, right? Number and frequencies of things. If If that's what you're focused on, all the outside stuff, going back to like, what will people judge you for? You know, yeah. and what will yeah. look bad and all of the above. Okay. If you're focused on that, then the kid just knows how to jump through hoops, follow directions, play the game, be a sneakier rat. You mm. know, like there's every kid I know knows how to override life 360. Every kid I know oh, wow. knows how to get Wi Fi when their parents turn it off. Every kid I know, kids have. I forgot what it's called. Oh, my kids told me the other day, fake phones. They'll like give their, the, your phone's mine. They'll, they'll like have a phone. They pass around among their friends. That's the phone that, or something like this, where they give, they have a backup phone guys. They have yeah. a backup phone. Yeah. You can't cut off their lifeline from their support system and their oh friends. Oh my God. So what do you do? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? Like you can't you can't beat yeah, smart yeah. people and you don't want your kids to be less smart. Do you? Right, right. And right. you can't beat them. And the more you try to beat them, the smarter they get about how to beat people. And you're teaching people how to beat mm, people. It's an arms race. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfectly put. Yes. Okay. So here we go. Intrinsic. Are you someone who want, this is, these are the things that I say to my kids. Are you someone, do you see your future like this, where you give your word and you keep your word? Do you want to have integrity in your life? Do you want to feel lighter? Do you want to feel strong? Do you want to feel good about yourself? Like, let's talk about what it feels like when you're, reactive because you're not eating enough and you're and you're because you're playing too many games like let's talk about the actual reality inside of a person so then i'm walking around saying you said you would do this by this time there is an impact on the whole family that you didn't no shame no judgment just freaking facts like straight up i'm can you tell i'm direct i'm direct yeah. this doesn't work 
This doesn't work for who you are. This doesn't work for our family unit. And this doesn't work for your future. So get your shit together. And I'm the first person that they all know when they want to get their shit together. I'm all in. Let's salute. Like, is that a word? Like, let's make solutions. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Let's solve this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Solution. Yeah, I don't know why. (laughs) Right. But (laughs) we can salute to making these positive changes as well. Sure. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, what comes up when I hear that is a sense that it ties back to this authenticity thing of like, if what we're asking our kids to do is rooted in reality and authentic and and authenticity, then it's going, you know, then it's, then it has some weight to it and they will be it for themselves. But if what we're asking them to do is actually bullshit, Bullshit. (laughs) they're like, it's bullshit. Oh, like, I, right. And I mean, it, this is this is the thing right now with uh, what Max is doing in math right now. He's like, this is, the, there's n- like never going to use this. And I was like, Max, you're right. You're right. You're never going to use that. So then let's think, why do we want to try to at least pass this this, this class? Right. Right? Because if we, don't, if we don't pass this class, then there's going to be trouble. So this is a hoop. Let's, let's just acknowledge that it's a hoop. Yes. I don't get, you know, and yes. like, let's just, let's acknowledge that it's a game and we need to pass this level of this game to get to the next one. And you know, that's- yes, I'm freaking out over here because everybody knows that you don't have to graduate from high school to be a baller and a world leader. Everybody knows that. All right. So I don't know if you remembered me a, a lot in high school because I don't think you smoked pot or smoked a lot, but like in my senior year, I mean, it was just like, like every day, I mean, literally every day. And I, I mean, I barely graduated, just yeah. barely like by the skin of my teeth. Yep. And, and then I didn't go to college. I, I, okay. So just as a really quick aside, really? the only way, the, the, the only way I knew that the SATs were even happening is I called up a friend. I won't mention... No, no, I I will because he couldn't go out and he took the essay. So I called up Josh Ramrus. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. He's a yeah, good yeah. guy. Yes. And I was like, dude, let's go out. Let's, you know, we're going to party tonight. And he's like, oh, I can't. The SATs are tomorrow. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? Oh, I had no idea. All right, we'll have fun. <laughs> and so I didn't go to college. I didn't do uh, the first year but then i eventually got my act together yeah. and then i i and and i now have two phds so um, i it's it's like I, uh, yeah so my my feeling about their school is like if you want to do it cool i mean like right. pass like you cannot drop out of school right. but like and and then uh, you know let's let's find the joy where there is joy right. and so right. you're really interested in history and you're really interested in yeah. the essays and like let's find the joy where there is yeah. and then where there's not let's just treat it like a hoop that we got to jump through absolutely be real be real be real be real be real like i can't say it enough times it's like acknowledge the truth they are so smart they're so like they get it they get it 
And we're over here being like, well, if you don't, da -da, then you won't, da -da, and then you won't, da -da. and they're like, I don't want a fucking da da. Like, they don't want what all yeah. the hoops add up to. Mm. And then mm. we're just like these, like, like animal trainers or something, you know? So then the Christmas card, you can be like, and then they went to La La La. The Christmas card. Oh. oh my God. Vanessa, can can you just talk real quick about the Christmas card? How do you feel about Christmas cards? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like the letters and the things. I like the funny ones. I like the real ones, but the ones where Tommy La La La. Oh my God. La La La. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Guess what? Thank you. Speak. Yeah. My kids will say, well, that's funny because actually, you know, I happen to know that the picture that they're painting is completely opposite of what the parents, the, the, oh, it's yeah. like they're in a fantasy land. Oh my it's God. just, it's just like so refreshing when people are real. And I wanted to say something about like school. And so easy to take that as like a place to get hyper focused because again, mm. the metrics it's measurable. We love things that are measurable. It went up, it went down, it went up. It's like, wait, all the things I think we're all obsessed about have to do with things where you can like track them really well. These easily tracked metrics, I think are attractive to most of us because deep down, we feel like if we can only be good enough, yes. we'll be worthy of love and respect. Right. If we can only... Totally. And so these metrics become like, am I worthy of love and respect today? Oh, if I can, oh, yes, maybe. Yeah. And the truth is, and this is what I am learning. And it's like a deep truth that is true for every single person in the world. There is nothing you can do to be more worthy of right. love and respect right. than you already are right now. Right, right. I want to just say this one thing. I was speaking with a kid um, on Wednesday and his name is Nick. He he just came out to his parents. I helped him for months to 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 work into this email for months coming out as trans. And um he is amazing. <laughs> like I could mm -hmm. here's something that he said to me the other day and I'm like, "Bro, Oh my God, say that again. I'm like, I'm yeah, like yeah. writing a book on what you just said. A book, dude. Like, like I'll credit you. He said this. It's not my responsibility to make my parents proud. It's their responsibility to be proud of me. Mm. Mm. Really feel that. The wisdom, yeah, right. He doesn't have to jump through hoops to, and I'm, I'm putting those words like, worth and love into like what make worth and pride. Like I'm proud of you because you're worth more. I'm so proud of you because your stock went up. And when your stock goes up, my stock goes like I, because right. fundamentally the parents are feeling unworthy. Right. And if my kid can just get into the right college, I'll be worth more. I will be worthy of love and respect. Right. Finally. Yes, yes. exactly. Dude, exactly. So, so that, and, and I'm like, that's like the most, the, that's the most amazing way to say that because what my work is about, which he doesn't even fully know. I don't even know if he knew I wrote a book, right? This kid, but like yeah. what, what he doesn't know is that I'm trying to get parents to see that what makes them freak out about all these kid things is actually something inside of them that's unhealed that's undealt yeah. with that's not whole that's not 
it's uh it comes down to self-love wisdom that's it that's it Mm, yes so parents listening to this they have teenagers like oh my god like i'm seeing myself and hearing myself and a lot of what you guys are saying and uh, I don't even know where to start. So Vanessa, wh- what like today would be a baby step? Today, what they can do is I actually, this is more in the course and it's it's step one of the, so the course has the same name as the book, right? But it's in five steps. So it's like theoretical and philosophical, like in the book, right? But it's real. It hits you, right? But it's like, now what do I do? Oh, I got what you do over here. Come Mm. over here. This course is like me, my face. And we're talking about all the stuff in the book, but not repeating it. It's all like fresh. I didn't read the book for the course at all. There's a whole coaching guide that goes with that, where it's like a lot of deep work. Like this is not for babies, but it's for people who actually are sick of how it is. And, And they want something beautiful instead. So the first step, I say, write a real clean letter to your teen. And I have a link. If you go in my bio anywhere, or there's uh, on Instagram specifically, then there's a link on Linktree and it says real clean letter to your teen. And it's an entire PDF and it breaks it all down to something. I, I guess you can't call it a baby step, but it's not a baby step. Like it's easy and little and quick, but it's the first step. Can we call it that? The sure. first let's call real it the thing. first the, the first, first real step. step. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's mon it it's it's going to make a giant impact. And that is to write a letter and apologize and own up and take responsibility and be accountable for all the shit that you've been pulling, all the wow. the things that you the messages that you've been saying. It's not coming from this shamey place. It's coming from like this powerful place of ownership, of, of saying things to your children like it when you fail and in school or when the neighbor saw you vaping, I can't handle it because I think that it means that I'm a failure and you're just a kid mm-hmm. doing the best you can. But the things that you do, I make them mean that. I'm bad. And then I get mad at you for making me feel like I'm a bad person or a bad parent, something like that. Or remember that time I told you this or that, I'm sorry. I said that, you know, like, like talking about each and every instance you can think of where you put your child down and made them feel like a bad, broken person who needs fixing all the control. Mm. We haven't even talked about the C word, Justin. Oh my God. Oh, anyway, this letter is money. Well, that's okay. So that's the wonderful thing. Parents listening to this podcast, there's going to be a lot of stuff that maybe we just barely touched on. It's going to be in the book and then it's definitely going to be in the courses. Yeah. The book stands alone by all means. It's, you know, 12 bucks, best thing you ever did. But, but the course is like, let's freaking do this. Let's, let's, let's dig deep. I, no parents, you know, they come out of your course and they've got a whole new foundation and they've got a whole new set of tools and they're rebuilding their relationship with their teens. But I'm sure, you know, life happens and, you know, growth is not just some linear trajectory. So what are the common pitfalls that parents deal with after they've built this foundation and, and and are using these tools? What are some of the things that they, that they still have to watch out for? You know, the tendency to stop being real. (laughs) I mean, really, Mm -hmm. I mean, the tendency to want to make excuses, to blame, 
to operate in a shame, shamey, blamey world context where it has to be someone's fault. And then the, the other thing I would say is so, so that it really requires like going deep. Like I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not like a million things. What I am is like triage in many ways. It's like, okay, so maybe you want to get into a rehab program, mom. Maybe you right. want to go deal with your dad issues, dad. Like, like let's, I I think that one of the, the things is to think that you're ever done. You know, like to think that, like you said, I think right, like, like I read the book, I took the course. Now I'm done. I like, right. <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I am perfect. I am done. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bandaid. I'm not a bandaid. I want that to be like the sub subtitle. This isn't a bandaid. Like this is yeah. like you using the fact that you, whether you wanted to or not, are now a parent. How are you going to let this I swear the ultimate challenge, right. Is parenting and everything that comes with it times, however many kids you have and whatever comes upon your life because of the kids and the marriage, like, or if there's a marriage, like all that stuff, like this could be your, this is your shot to, to go deep and, and sort out all the stuff that if you didn't have this little walking around reflection of you, you may never even realize that, was hurting inside of you. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that. I love that. So that brings me to the final question before we get to the regular three questions that we always ask our guests. So the final question is, Vanessa, what is at the, what is the most challenging? I like to say what is at the edge for you in your own personal growth journey in your own parent journey? Uh, we just talked about how this is not a one and done thing. So even though you have, you know, you know how to practice all these tools, you're still learning things about yourself. You're still growing. Yep. What is at your edge? What is the kind of new and challenging in your in your own life? Oh, so much. I'm ripping myself to shreds in a loving way, like uncovering, turning over every rock of me and who I am mm. every day, every week. Like professionally speaking, I work with someone who helps me with my energy. And when I'm like confronted with this particularly hard like case or a family, I, I, um, client, I, I go to her and I'm like, what about me is in my way from serving these people in the way that they deserve to be served. Like, what are my triggers here? Like, and we'll talk about that. And I do, I do breath work. I do energy work because my, my things, I'm a recovering control freak. Mm. Um, if I didn't take Lexapro, there's no doubt in my mind, I'd be an alcoholic because I deal with mm. incredible anxiety and depression and swings with all of that. But with, you know, treating it, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, almost always eating with or eating, dealing with my eating disorder. Still, I have a therapist. So I have my, my energy person, Reiki type stuff, everything, dude, like everything. I think it's because of my, what people might call issues and imperfections and how hard I am on myself, how sometimes I think what I'm doing is a charity and I just want to help everyone. And I'm, this is a business, like, you know, those kinds of things, the tendency to like cross over my own boundaries. Um, I'm working on that. My, my needlessness because of my own childhood, 
you know, I bought myself a Jeep a couple of weeks back and it's an old 1965 Willys. And it's so cool. And like, that is for real. The first time in my life I've done something for me that felt completely indulgent, you know, Ooh, and I'm 44 wow. almost. I, I don't do that. So mm. self-care will be something that I have to tackle, just even eating enough food like every single day. Like I'm a I'm a walking, talking wreck, but I I know that and that's what makes me awesome. It sounds like radical self-honesty. Yes. Ooh, yeah. radical. Yes, very right. Awareness, honesty, and then just like staying in, just staying in it and not ever thinking that I but it's not like sad. I don't know. Does it sound sad? It's not sad. No. Like, no, no. Sorry. I'm not saying I thought you thought it was sad. I don't, does it, but do, what does it sound like when I said that? The word that kept coming or the words were radical self-honesty. Like mm -hmm. that is when I asked, what is at your edge? Your edge, what it sounded like to me was just constantly pushing this radical self yeah. Examination saying, like, what is my shit? Like, yeah. what what do I have that maybe I don't need to have or that I perhaps should start to have? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And can I just get real with myself? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is in working on myself over the past couple of years, but then building programs for parents. I I feel like it's the hardest thing. It is the hardest thing to just sit back like can i just get real with yeah. myself and like really own some of the really challenging emotions that i'm feeling some of the you know some of the coping be behaviors and avoiding right. behaviors that i've developed over the years because i don't want to deal with this because i don't want to be radically yeah. honest right and i find that like i'm unable because i don't just work with parents and kids i work with with ceos and creators and artists like i work with like the most amazing people from all over the place and i'm not able to challenge these people who don't even have kids who are just like really like it's them against them kind of stuff unless i'm me against me I don't have parenting figured out. I don't have myself figured out. I don't have life figured out. But I'm, since I, I'm always pushing myself to the edge with so much love and like, what's the possibility of this? Because freedom is my thing, you know, like I want freedom and I experience more freedom and more happiness when I uncover something and then bring just like, just tons of compassion to it like that it, it's like like perpetually healing I, it's like almost like an opportunity to find something that's hurt that i cope with or that makes me feel the way i don't like to feel or something and then to to look at that to love that that's how i'm oh wow i'm just like really getting this like that's how i love myself i tend to myself regularly, actively. I have a coach who pushes, I have two coaches. They push me so hard and, and call me out so much. I couldn't be doing this amazing work and getting off the phone, like another miracle, another miracle, another miracle, another miracle. <laughs> like I walked out of this door before there's my living room and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, like every call, every client, that's how I feel. Yeah. And I couldn't be that bold if I weren't doing it for me, which is exactly what I'm talking about with parents and kids. You see how it's all the same? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. So I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface. So I'm just going to put you on the spot that I would love to have you back. As, as, yeah. Uh, Oh my yeah. God. I would do this every morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, this conversation has been so much fun and there's so much, oh, there's just so much here. It's so nourishing to talk about this. So we're going to go into the final regular questions. These are the three questions we ask every podcast guest. Okay. So the first one is if you could put a big post-it note on every parent's fridge tomorrow morning, what would it say? Get over yourself. (laughs) Oh, get over yourself. Oh my gosh. Can you unpack that? Yeah. Just like check your ego at the door. Your shit stinks. So does everyone else's. Like get over that you suck too. We all (laughs) fucking suck. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Like get over yourself. Ego. For me, it's, it's, it would, yeah, it would definitely be get over the parts of yourself that are, yeah, trying to prove your, your your worthiness of, for love and respect because you are already worth it. Get over it, man. You are, you are whole the way you are. Get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, last quote that changed the way you think or feel. The one, the one from Nick. It all, it rocked me. It rocked me. It absolutely blew my mind. It's not my responsibility to make my parents proud. It's my parents' responsibility to be proud of me. And I'd like to add period, like Mm. no matter what. Unconditional love is what we're talking about. I think... That quote is uh, right now for me is easier if I if I put love in there. Yeah, Uh, yeah, uh, because I guess from my own childhood, when I think of pride, I do think of like achievement in some way. Yeah, and so this this love is like yeah, like I don't and I can't earn my parents' love. That is something that has to be given freely, or it's not love. It's some. That's right. Something else. That's right. That's right. And it's like yeah. the pride thing. It's like, I, I'm proud of you though. For a kid, this is what I understand. Like I talk to, I have a podcast too. And I talk to kids who are 18 to 22 ish. Someone who was 14, his mom like was dying for me to talk to me. He's like, he might as well have been 30 anyway. So cool. But these kids are like, I've never heard that my parents are proud of me. They equate that with being acceptable and being lovable. Mm. So like, it's kind of like a buzzword and, and I'm so okay. proud of you. I'm not proud of you. Like, are you proud of yourself? Like it's used like a weapon. So what they hear is love. Right. Yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. And Hey, awesome. listen, Justin, that's what you heard too. So you just helped me prove that point. Right. Yeah, like absolutely. you heard love. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I'm, that's I'm awesome. proud of your sibling. Who's a, such a show off and does all these things. I, you, I love your sibling. Right. <laughs> right. They're the favorite yeah. because they yeah. measure yeah. up. They mm. know how to jump through hoops. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So the last question I like to ask, because as you know, for parents, uh, you know, when they're, when they're just in the, in the throes of just, of just the craziness of life and parenting, and every, you know, the schedule's so busy and, oh, kids, like, oh my God, kids. And um, 
But here at the Family Thrive, we want to take a moment to celebrate kids. And so can you and and oh my gosh, with six kids, you are like the expert on this. What is your favorite thing about kids? Oh my gosh. Just like their their humor, their humor, like what they think is funny, like like their um their brains, their ideas, their minds. If you sit with a kid and just like get in there, like just really get in there, you'll be so encouraged about like what humanity is. They're so in touch with like, like their, their, their thoughts and their ideas. It's like, like the judgment isn't there if, if you're lucky, you know, like if, Mm. if, I mean, that's part of the thing, right. That we're trying to, I'm like completely anti-judgment when it comes to parenting. Like it doesn't work to judge your kids, to criticize them, to come from that place if something's wrong with you. So anyway, to answer your question better, it's like the way that they think is, is a miracle. My mind is blown every single day that I talk to any kid of any age. I talk to kids as young as 11 and, you know, and any age above adults, but, but teenagers, like we need to be in awe of them. We need to be in yeah. awe of them. They need yeah. to know we're in awe of them. Wow. Mm, that's beautiful. And this is coming from a mom of six kids. Like, it's <laughs> like, you know, of what you speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, uh, my, oh, one of my, oh, this is funny. I just want to add this funny little thing. One thing, if you don't, if you, you know, the gaming thing, this is like the best trick ever. If you're not, if you don't understand what the hell they're talking about and you don't really care, like, I can't even lay one little brick thing down in Minecraft. <laughs> like, I, I was not born yeah. with a gaming gene. Like, I can be like, Miss Pac Man little bit. That's it. And so um, it's okay. So what I do is I Google something about like a new update to a game. And I like, I'll get on like a board of of people talking, you know, and then I'll copy and paste like my, my, I pretend like it's my opinion about the new (laughs) update. And I'll be like, whoa, what about the new Call of Duty? And then then I like say, well, this is like this. And you know, like how like the D. Oh my God. Right. And then, and then they know that I'm they know that I don't know what I'm saying and they know that I like found that somewhere but but they know that you cared yes yeah (laughs) yes and then and then they know that like I value what they value oh it's beautiful (laughs) Vanessa thank you so much this is such a beautiful conversation is so so rich um but before we go how can people contact you what are what are the ways that they can get involved? Um, I I am the most active actually on my personal Facebook page. So Vanessa Baker, um, I I just feel more authentic there than a business page. And yeah. then, um, but I I share it over there too. Um, my website has all kinds of stuff. Um, it's vbakermindset.com. Vbakermindset.com. Right. That's the oh, name. and we are gonna have show notes as well. So we're gonna put all, all, all this stuff in there. Yeah, and then my books on Amazon. If you don't like Amazon, which I understand, you can go to Barnes and Noble or Balboa Press, which is my publisher. Um, the course will launch on March 1st. People can email me from my website, and um, I'm just an open door. Like just bring it, we'll work it out. One more time. The book is called From Mean to Real Clean. Mm -hmm. How to Create a Fully Functional Relationship with Your Teenager. Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much. It was fun. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. This is wonderful. You're amazing. And I appreciate what you're doing.
And I appreciate mm. it. Like I, it's needed. And, and I love that it's you who's doing it. Like y- because it's you, you're going to touch more lives. Like people are going to, and are responding to who you are and the work that you're doing in yourself. And then out in the world, like everything you're doing is like perfect. I'm so proud Aww. of you. That gives me some warm, fuzzy feelings, really. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Thank you, Vanessa. You're welcome. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Family Thrive Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, tell two friends, and head on over to Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts and give us a review. We're so grateful you've chosen to join us on this Family Thrive journey.